Hello and welcome to the Healthy People's Club podcast brought to you by myself Celeste and my best friend Sarah. We aim to bring you a multitude of authentic, honest and educational conversations which will equip you with the tools to navigate your own well-being. Hi everybody, so this week Sarah and I chat to the wonderful Mahan Elmi. Uh, Mahan has been working me with me as a coach for a little while now and just along the way I got to learn more about his personal journey moving from Iran and then to India and then to the UK. So we spent some time in this conversation just delving into adapting to the westernized world, talking a little bit about resilience and being low um, and also a little bit more about exercise mechanics and training. So I hope you enjoy it as much as we did. And let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to episode number 14 of the Healthy People's Club podcast. Um, This is going to be the last episode of series one and we are going to take a little break for the summer, but we've got an amazing, really um, insightful podcast to sort of finish this series. So I'm here today with my co-host Sarah. Hi Sarah. Hello. And also my current coach who is an absolutely incredible human on every single level, level which you, you'll get to hear about today. Welcome to the show Mahan. Oh, thank you so much and hello to everyone. Yeah we're so I'm so happy that you've come on the show. I know we've chatted about it so much just like in the gym like got to get you on um but yeah I'm really excited to have you here and for us to sort of share your journey with the listeners so um Mahan is my fitness coach at the moment it's been helping me for lots of like the last let's say six months or so yeah maybe longer yeah six months or so um and he is the founder of Willow Wisp Coaching he has also got his own podcast called Majoring the Miners um, and is an absolute sock fashion icon. Um, <laughs> I don't often buy gifts or if I do, it's like so random. But I was like, we have a matching pair of sunflower socks. Um, yeah, every you time do, I see yeah. mine, it's got like the coolest outfits on. Um, but yeah, not only is socks, there's so much more to them and I can't wait um, to get stuck into this podcast. Um, Mahan, I'm sure I've missed something. So do you want to add to any anything for the intro oh god i mean like yeah you gassed me up so much i don't think i'm half of those stuff but uh, <laughs> thanks so much for that um now you pretty much um nailed it like i am known as the guy who does like helps people with injury and apparently he wears mismatched socks that's like <laughs> what stands out on the gym floor yeah, no, you're incredible. And again, like, thank you for all of the support you've given me. These last six months have been so challenging. As you know, map times I've like laughed, cried. Both of you have heard it all. Um, <laughs> it's like, especially at the minute where I'm just feeling like so happy with my training. And it's really down to both of you, actually. Um, so, yeah, thanks so much for your support. Um, so, just to also give an insight into like why I really wanted to work with Mahan. So, not only like, did I notice the socks and the gym four and all of the work that he was doing with his clients? Um, but also always had time to like come and say hi. And we went for coffee. Do you remember Mahan? Yeah. We went for a little coffee and we started talking about fitness, but then me being me, I'm like asking loads of deep questions on meeting number one. Like, so tell me about your life. <laughs> and, um, you shared some information with me a little bit about your culture and your background. Yes. And I just loved listening to that story. And I think that 
um it'd be cool today if we could also sort of navigate or just hear from you about some of that too um sarah do you want to like kick off maybe with one of the first questions about sort of mahan's culture and background I would absolutely love to. I'll just add in as well, Mahan, I have heard so much about you from Celeste. So it's really special for me to meet um, somebody that's such a um, kind of important person in her life. So thank you so much for being on. Oh, thank you for having me. This makes me so happy and actually emotional to hear. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, brilliant. Okay, so I'm going to jump in. Um, Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a bit about when and why you left Iran? Uh, Yeah, going deep. Um, So uh, as... I'm going to just kind of give a full background of it. I'm uh, Iranian born and bred. I lived there until I was 15 years old. Uh, Then I left the country and moved to India. And I was there for three years. Uh, The reason I left, to be honest, it wasn't my decision at the time. And hindsight is 2020. When it happened, I hated it. But now I'm just like so thankful for it happening. Because my sister, she's uh, five years older than me. And uh, she's a very stubborn girl. I love her to bits. She's like my icon. And um, when she was 18, she wanted to leave the country because like 18-year-old girl, Iran wasn't the best place for her. She just wasn't happy. And uh, the closest country my mom was willing to let her go to was India because it was still close enough that like, you know, we could keep in touch with her. But also it was not Iran. So she could experience a different culture and she wanted to be out of Iran was very difficult for her. Uh, for her own reasons and uh she was there for two years um felt alone and lonely so my mom decided to send me over as like a like to support her and like you know as her brother because like her and i are very close uh so that was the reason and like you can imagine like a 15 year old boy who has his like friend circles and it's just like you know just entered uh, as a, like a teenager he's just super happy where he is at, at the beginning i wasn't really happy with it uh, but now I'm just like so thankful. I'm like, thank God you sent me to India. And it just like kind of um, pushed me down this path of being here. When you say like you were sent to India, like how was that sort of organized? Were you just like, all right, there's your bags. Get yourself on the plane and you'll live with your sister. Done. Yeah. So there is this like adage that I really like, like, you know, burn the boats. Like uh, it's the idea of like you just or burn the bridges behind you. So I mean, my mom was just like, all right, like your school is over. You're, you're going to start your, like uh, there I did pre-university, which is kind of like A-levels. Um, so she was like, yeah, so you just go in there. Um, I didn't get much of a choice at the time. <laughs> they were like, yep, your sister's alone. Like, cause, and it made sense to me. I, I wasn't even, maybe I wasn't happy about it, but still like for me, my mom and my sister are my world. So the moment they were like, she's alone, she's upset. Like, I was like, yeah, okay, this is like, it's a no-brainer, we're going. And then uh, packed everything up, went there. Um, for the first two months, it was really difficult for me. And I remember I called my mom, I was like, I really want to come back. And she's like, there's nothing to come back to. I've sold the house. There's nothing to do. You're like, gone. Just, just make it work. I was like, all right, cool, let's do it. I kind of like that attitude. I kind of like that attitude that your mum had. Do you think now, kind of looking back, that um, that kind of, you know, push, family push, was, uh, do you believe that everything happens for a reason? That that was supposed oh, yeah. to all happen for you to then be, you know, have this path that you've taken? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because um, India is a very interesting place, especially like to grow up in very quickly, because like, 
I just had to do everything for like now. Um, I don't know <laughs> how much we're going to go into this, but like I had to <clears throat> like suddenly just be a grown up and pay bills, get the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a car. We had a motorcycle. I had to. <laughs> and this is a little bit dodgy. had to forge <laughs> documents like my driving license because I was a, like a 16 year old at the time. So I didn't have a driving license. Uh, so like fake that and just like like so many things that I had to do very quickly and I had to learn very quickly. Uh, which just helped me for the rest of my mm-hmm. life because uh, between me and my sister and I, I came to, to the UK first and then I paved the path for her to come afterwards, so like a year or two after me, she came here. Uh, so yeah, that, that just like that attitude, like at, again, when you're in it, you find it very difficult, but like looking back at it now, I'm like, damn, it's just like it saved me so much. Yeah, and all those li- life skills as well that you learn yeah. along the way, the, the ones that we're not taught in school, Exactly. Like yeah. uh, dealing with like, you know, paperwork, paying bills, like those things. Like I learned it from a very early age and I'm really thankful for it. I bet. I bet. Also finding your way when you have to, you know, like I think when yeah. you're faced with adversity, sometimes you're like, how did I get through that? Or how did I manage? And it's like, you just do. Yeah. Uh, but I think like, you know, hearing, hearing your story, I think, Maybe for some people might just put life into perspective a little bit. Um, and I know you're very humble and you don't have like this victim mentality. Um, but it is true, isn't it? Like when we might reflect on what a typical westernized, westernized 15-year-old's life is like, mm-hmm. it's certainly very different to that. And um, I imagine it, it can have its challenges. Um, but it's quite unlikely that they would be sent to India to support their sibling at 15, to drive, to pay bills, to run their own home. Like, that is absolutely incredible. Like, massively fair play to you there. Uh, yeah. What was it like in terms of um, the culture shock between Iran and India? Oof. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> I think, like, my I have this joke that it was like, nothing shocks me anymore. Like, nothing just like... Uh, I'm bulletproof now because like it, it was it's a big massive difference like um one thing that i've noticed as an iranian here is like i think and i don't blame people but like media portrays iran in a different way whereas like iran is not the way people like the media shows it and it's not really similar to like some of the arab countries that people are like more uh, accustomed to whereas iran is like it's pretty progressive right to a certain extent uh, in certain areas especially uh, so for me, like Iran, like Iran, especially I'm from the capital, right? Like, you know, people from the capital always think they, they had the best lives. <laughs> so like Tehran was just like beautiful. Tehran is just like, uh, it's a beautiful city. I love it to bits. Um, and like from that suddenly going to India, where it's just like, you know, very crowded, very, um, I'm sorry to say this, but like the moment you get off the plane, the first thing that hits you is the smell of ammonia. Like, it just hits you really hard. Like, you can't get rid of it. And then just, like, the the idea of you're a foreigner, especially in, in like, in India, like, if you're a foreigner, you kind of, like, many countries, if you go as a tourist, you kind of get hustled, all, like, all the time by taxi drivers, by, like, anyone who's providing a service. But then uh, I was living there, so that was, like, a 24-7 constant. So that was just, like, very um, challenging to deal with at the beginning. And, uh, but yeah, like, I remember the, like one of the funniest things is like uh, the little things you take for granted. Like when I got to my sister's flat, um, 
her bathroom she didn't even have a shower head so we literally had like a she's got like ah oh, this is the shower and this is a bucket and there's a smaller bucket in it you just like pour water over your head and you wash yourself and i was like what uh, like <laughs> where i come from like my house in tehran which we had like like you know a bath and everything else and it was just like so modern to like something like this um quite interesting like it, it was very nice like now i just like i i have like I can appreciate everything because, like, there was a lack of many things when I lived there. Yeah, whereabouts in India were you? Uh, so back in the day, it's called it was called Bangalore, but then India went through this time that, like, they started changing the name of their cities to the original name because apparently, after like colonization, it had become a little bit more um, British. Mm -hmm. So then they changed it back to Bengaluru, but everyone still calls right. it Bangalore. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I've I've been to India and I I recognize or I'm just imagining now I I when I landed in Delhi and like you say the smell, the hustle yeah. and bustle like I'm trying to imagine what it would be like to live there and I honestly just can't. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, listening to your story. Um what do you think that you maybe was like your biggest takeaway in terms of living in India? You mentioned like just having appreciation for everything. Would you say that it's that? Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. That's that's what it, yeah, um, that's what it would be. And like one thing that you said, like I'm a big fan of um, adversity. I think like adversity makes you the person you are, and like uh, you need challenges, right? You need to just like even like because in my life, and as we dig into it, this has happened to me a lot. I have hit rock bottom quite many times. Like I've just hit it like all the time. And then one thing that you realize is like when you hit rock bottom is not the worst and you still come, can come back from it. Um, so I think like it just teaches you that challenges are a necessity of life. Like then that's, that's one thing like, cause you said it like I, there are moments that when I look back at it, I'm like, how the hell did I do that? Like if, if you put me there right now, I don't think I'm capable of doing what I did then, but, when you don't have a choice and you just have to do it, you just do it. And that's like, that's the most beautiful thing. Like humans are not fra as fragile as we think we are. Like we, 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 we're resilient and we can do things that we didn't think we were capable of. Capable of. Yeah, completely. And um, I think uh, Celeste will uh, vouch for this, that Mahan, I could, you could not have picked a better day for me than to <laughs> say exactly those words. I'll, 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 I'll chat to you about it when we finish up the podcast. But yeah, just, just for me right now, regardless of the podcast, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, is, it is crazy, isn't it, how that kind of internal strength can bubble up at the times we need it. And we do think back and think, my goodness, how did I get through that? But we always do. Exactly. I can I can relate on the rock bottom front a few times there as well. So. It's the best. Rock bottom is the best place to be because there's only one way up. Only one way. Um, do you think as well, um, just um, from your time kind of spent in India and all your transitions and everything, um, you're a coach now. So do you think that you kind of got into that way of thinking and wanted to help people from that, from things you saw, experiences you had and stuff? Um. Maybe I can sit down here and like kind of lie and be like, yes, <laughs> but um, I think these are just for me, uh, I'm, I'm such a big moments boy. And like, again, this is one thing that kind of keeps up, keeps coming back up as well. Like a lot of these qualities I associated, I associate more to my mom 
rather than like and like everything that I've done in life is just kind because Celeste knows and I've, I'm, I openly talk about this my parents are divorced so I was brought up by my mom and my sister and my aunt so these are like the most important people to me so all the like the qualities that I have that I kind of like all right oh yeah I do want to do this I do want to do that or like as a coach I want to help and stuff like that first and foremost I associate to my mom and how she brought us up but I think like if but like if you continue down that path and then like yes then the things that you go through and like it's easier for me to understand like uh, we talked about adversity and things like that and it's just like the need for challenge so I think like starting with that and then having have lived in India can kind of help me with being a coach but um, I had never actually truly thought of it in that sense mm-hmm. and so um it was like maybe move on to like then so after living in India for a few years you then said that you moved to the UK and that was you leading the path then for your sister what brought you to the UK was it always Uh, a plan so you know how I start the story with saying like my sister's really stubborn I am (laughs) also really stubborn (laughs) um and uh we had like when I was in uh, when I was studying in India, we had this exhibition where different universities from the UK came down and like, you know, they were just like showcasing and like, you know, sh- talking about different campuses and different universities. And I, I was like, I was like, oh, this is interesting. So I went there and I talked to some guy um, and I, I ended up going literally to the same university, Sussex University in Brighton. Um, and then when I came out of it and told people, they were like, they, they were just kind of like the idea of <laughs> like, yeah, keep on dreaming. And they were like, they were like, especially the circles that we were a part of coming to the UK was not even like, it wasn't even a dream. Like you wouldn't even dream of it. Like it was just not talked about. Like even if you taught, like if you said something about it, it was just like met with a smirk and like, oh yeah, keep on dreaming kid. And I was like, well, if that's the case, I am going to go there. Like you think I can't do it. I'll show you that I can. So, um, it was a really difficult process. Like um, my visa application took a long time. It actually came after seven months, it came a month late. So I was like, I came to university in October, right? whereas like freshers is in September. But yeah, it was just me just being, well, you tell me I can't do it. We'll, I'll sort it out. Like we just talked with my mom and did like um, a bunch of different things. Cause I was at the time doing some, <laughs> I was already working. And I was making money, like a little bit of good money, so I could help with this going, like going to university, help with the family and get to university. Um, I was translating books at the time. So that kind of like got me to come to the UK. It's just because I was, I was told I can't do it. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, me. I like that. And um, when you arrived in the UK, what do you think were the major challenges you faced, Mahan? Um. It's funny, I just talked about this the other day. Now you can't get me to shut up, but funny thing is when I first came to the UK, um, so the first point, like I learned how to speak English in India, right? Uh, So I had a full-on Indian accent and I had the head shake and all of that, like the the whole nine yards. Um, And this was like 2009. So back then we weren't as sensitive as we are now. So people like, you know, the Indian accent was kind of a joke. Like, you know, people found it funny or at least like I, I found it fun. Like I thought that people will find it funny. So I was very conscious of speaking. 
So actually, like one of the first, like one of the biggest challenges I had the first year when I came to the UK was like I couldn't communicate with people. Like I was scared of making mistakes and I was scared of like saying something and people laugh at me and um, or make it like you know say something that's wrong. And like especially in my head was like England, Queen's English, like everything has to be perfect. Everything has to be said in a in the right like in a way and manner and things like that. So like that's one like that was the. Um, one of the biggest issues I had to deal with. And now my job is just talking to people, which is mm-hmm. quite interesting. And, uh, and you're a podcast host as well yourself. Yeah, so, right. yeah which is brilliant because we had, um, we had uh, a wonderful lady on our, our, last, our last show and um, she was saying something very similar. She's got a very broad Northern accent and she said she never, ever wanted to speak, whether that be on podcasts or to people or anything. And now she is all out there, totally confident, you know, on Instagram and podcasts and everything. And yeah, and it just came from this kind of, in, you know, internal confidence shift. So did you feel a bit like that as a, as you were here, you know, longer and longer? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I got this from a friend of mine. Uh, God bless his soul. His name is Ali. He's also from Iran. And to this day, I still keep in touch with him. He still doesn't speak the greatest <laughs> of English. Like, he doesn't speak that well. And his like past tenses and like future tenses, all the tenses are mixed up. Like when you listen, like t- he talks, it's hard to understand. But one thing that he said, and it just like resonated with me a lot was like, dude, I speak two languages. It's not my job to uh, be clear. Like it's not my job to make sense to others. They have to understand what I say. So he just like, he, he spoke and I understood that like communicating with people is not just about words that you use. Like he could speak for hours and hours and people would really listen to him and now i'm sat in the corner just every mistake that he made was like a bell ringing in my head it was like oh my god he used this word oh my god he used that word whereas everyone else is just like so engaged and everyone's listening to him and everyone's like loving what he says and it's just like gobbling him up and everybody loved ali right whereas like i i was the person who was just so conscious that like People couldn't even remember my name. I was Ali's friend. I wasn't Mahan, right? <laughs> it was like he had such a big personality. So uh, he was the one that actually like kind of gave me that confidence because I saw him make so many mistakes. It was like, okay, <laughs> he's fine, then I'll be fine. Oh, that's brilliant. And it really is that age, you know, that kind of age old saying of it's not how, it's not um, what someone says to you that matters, it's how they make you feel. Yeah. I mean, we'll totally, you know, get that being, I'm a coach as well. And, you know, I hear that all the time from clients. It's kind of not what I've said, but it's just, you know, they've messaged me after. So it's just how you make me feel more than anything. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Do you know what, though, Mahan, you need to stop for a second and give yourself some credit because you have also. So I presume that you, when you were in Iran, you spoke one language, you moved to India, you had to learn another, and then you had to, then you learned some English in India, and then you moved to the UK and you had to just speak English all the time. Yes. I mean, in India, I spoke English though. Like uh, we, I didn't learn Hindi. Like everybody's like used, the, they, they use English uh, as often as here, but like there, everybody had the accent, right? But now right. here, I was just like, but but, yeah. but it's, it's still learning all those cultures though isn't it and it's right. still immersing yourself in all those cultures and you know myself and Celeste both lived abroad as well and it's you know even that can be quite tough so yes it is massively to be applauded <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> yeah seriously and um yeah I'm glad that you're you're now feeling like confident and able to sort of communicate with people and um, yeah, I I did not know that. I know actually in our com- in our very first conversation, you told me that story, mm-hmm. um, 
about the accent, I had no idea. Like I would have never have like thought anything like, oh, your accent sounds different. Um, so whatever it is that you were trying to achieve, I really hope that you feel like you've nailed it. Because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I killed the accent. I managed to kill it. <laughs> it's not that. Now I just have this weird accent that is like a little bit British, but also because like I also learned it a lot from watching like American movies. So it's a little bit American. There's a bit of Iranian in it. So it's just like it's this non-accent that most people have in, in London, especially where it's just like it's the cultures are so mixed. It's like a neutral accent, right? But there are certain words that I still like go back a shift. So I have to be careful with. I do. It does sadden me a little bit, though, that people or maybe I don't know whether this is like people in general or you felt like you had to disguise an accent to sort of maybe fit in better with our culture mm -hmm. and society. Mm -hmm. I think that's a little <laughs> bit sad. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But also, like, it comes from a like, uh, it, it comes from a point of innocence that like, but also like insecurity, because I remember like, at, again this is like Mahan of like when he was like 20 and like he's hanging out with friends like you know you're around the girls and like especially you might have a crush on someone and then like one of the girls goes like oh uh this guy has such a beautiful accent like he has this sexy French accent I'm just sat there I'm like bro I've got an accent like <laughs> like he's like exotic accent I was like wait a minute like I <laughs> where is Mahan's exotic accent like <laughs> it sometimes you pick those right like you like it or not like that will affect you even though if people say it without meaning to be like they don't want to be mean or they're not even thinking about it but then you just sat there like oh well okay now i need to like imitate a french accent i guess <laughs> you could have a whole repertoire of, of accents uh yeah to, to use to throw out <laughs> just out. randomly yeah <laughs> um i am absolutely dying to know mahan um because we you know i work in the fitness industry as well so um can you tell me when um you first started working in the fitness industry and how that came about uh yeah sure so uh i studied uh, as i said i went to sussex university and i studied uh, <laughs> this is typical asian um electrical and electronic engineering as a bachelor's and then i did my business engineering as a master's um and then i worked in um in a company for like three months and it was the death of me because i'm not a desk person like i just couldn't like after three months i had to give up uh on the side while i was at university and this is like what celeste and sorry yeah sarah said as well like there are moments in life that just like uh, like just form the path like it just puts you on a path and you don't realize it until like years later so i woke up one day really hungover and i was just like i need to do something <laughs> better with my life because I'm just like I just went out drank so much and I haven't done much like you know you want to feel good when you're really hungover you want to do something so I started cleaning my room and I saw this flyer about like a kickboxing society where they like you could go and do kickboxing um I was like you know what why not I'm, I'm still hungover but I can make this so <laughs> I went to my first kickboxing class in jeans and I was like the worst thing I, I could have done but that literally actually got me hooked because like Everyone was just looking at me and the instructor was like, you sure you want to do this in jeans? Um, but yeah, I studied my first class in jeans, made one of my best friends. He was like, dude, you're an idiot. And then this guy just became my best friend during like university VJ. Uh, so that got me into kickboxing. So when I finished my degree and I was like, okay, this is not something I'm passionate about. But at the time I was the president of 
the kickboxing club and it was like what a big part of my life so it was like all right so i want to actually pursue this like i really enjoy kickboxing i really enjoy teaching it so can i make that a thing so i went back to university and i was like what do i have to do to actually teach here as well because i was like an assistant but i wanted to teach it myself and they told me you need to get like your um, level two fitness instructor qualification and I was like, all right, sure, let's go and do that. So once I did my level two fitness in, um, uh, fitness instructor qualification, the guy who was teaching it was like, dude, you seem like you get these concepts and you're really passionate about training. And the way you look at it is just like because it came from the discipline of martial arts. So it was, it was, for me, it was really important to understand things, not just do them. Um, and like form and technique was very important to me at the time. So it was like, why don't you have you thought about becoming a personal trainer and doing your level three? And I was like, OK, sure. So I did level three. And here we are like a couple of years later. So it just started from like a like a random thing, like me being hungover and doing a kickboxing class. Yeah. But, and, and also from that initial passion that you had yourself for training yourself, because that's where mine came from as well. Yeah. Mine was, a, I, you know, I really, really enjoyed training. And I thought I was the same. I was in a desk job. And I was like, well, I bloody hate this desk job, but I really bloody enjoy training. <laughs> and also I'm starting to preach this training to other people. And then slowly I'm, I'm not just preaching it. I'm, you know, starting to do some boot camps in Green Park with friends and stuff. And so it was quite similar for me how mine and then that, you know, brought me on to being a coach as well. Yeah. <laughs> totally relate to that it's, <laughs> it's a wild journey you know like just one step leads to another leads to another and now like years later you're like oh wow this this worked but when it happens you're just like it's just yeah. a small decision like it could have as easily been something different yeah it's incredible um and so in terms of like the fitness industry what are your thoughts and feels about it Oof. uh <laughs> you can be honest <laughs> okay um i okay First and foremost is when I was at university, right? It was cool to be drinking and smoking and the guy with the cigarette, right? Now it's cool to train. So I already love that. The fact that like being more active and being healthy like is a thing, right? You know, that people care about. Uh, I, I'm really appreciative of that, of that shift in mentality. But also just like anything else, it's not the fitness industry, but in any, like we have it everywhere. When there is a high demand, then there'll be it'll create room for a lot of sleazy sales and like like you know what I'm trying to say like uh, for a lot of fake products out there in a sense. Uh, so I love the fitness industry. I have like at the end of the day, I think it's a net positive. Uh, but there are some things about it that I'm uh, also on a daily basis just annoys me, like especially like how social media affects fit the fitness industry, it, like its negative effects on, uh, on the fitness industry, while it still has many positives as well. Yeah. Yeah. And would you say that you have like sort of an area of specialty? I only ask this because I know for me, you've massively supported me with my rehab um like preparing for my running events in fact i've got a 5 and 10k pb whilst working with you oh, yes. um but yeah like would you say you've got an area specialty or is there a certain type of client that you prefer to work with um specialty i think my specialty and like this is one thing i value in a lot of coaches around me is like uh sticking to my lane like knowing because i can help with a lot of stuff but also like being confident enough that 
if I can't help someone past a certain point, being able to refer them out to someone like as professional that they meet, right? Because like I work mainly with gem pop clients, like because I work in a commercial gym. Um, that's really fun for me because I enjoy like I'm more of an in-person trainer than an online trainer because I just enjoy the interactions with people. But also I um, I'm lucky enough that I've, I I was able to educate myself in like different areas, especially like biomechanics, movement. Um, I do. I have so many powerlifting and barbell qualifications, and I'm think I'm I'm one of the very few barbell coaches who really doesn't do that much barbell work anymore with clients. Uh, it's like it's a massive shift that I've had. So um, special. So in that sense, like yeah, jump up clients. But I like to train with athletes because they're very fascinating and like you know just athletes are especially like yourself. Like they can get really good. Right, and they get good at compensating. So finding out what their compensation is that can result in some sort of a, a movement discrepancy, and trying to like you know uh, bring them back to because there is there is this concept of being an athlete and being a human, right? And there, yeah. I like mm-hmm. people to be humans who do athletics, right, than athletes who are imitating being a human because that means more pain and that means more injury. Whereas like if you baseline is more of a human who can like move well, then you can become an athlete and then go back to your human self in a sense, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've been speaking a lot about that recently. Mm. So it's kind of like aligning health and performance. Yeah. Rather because health in term in like an athlete kind of world, being an incredible athlete doesn't always imitate it's, health. Yeah. Being an athlete is not healthy. Like it's mm-hmm. simple as that. If you want to really know what an athlete, like w- what we mean by that, just Google LeBron James's feet. And the moment you see those monsters, you realize to be the best of the best, you'll have to mess up some things with your body. Yeah, I, I feel like Mahan, we need more we need more people like you in the industry. Um I I come from a CrossFit background in the sense that I've coached CrossFit and done CrossFit myself. And I've seen that so much that people you know, even people that aren't anywhere at that high level, but um, you know, tra are training kind of six, seven days a week, putting their body through, you know, absolutely ridiculous amounts. Um and then forgetting at the end of the day that yes, also they have a, they have have a life outside the gym and that they are human. And they've completely forgotten that. And it's always, always the same people that are always injured. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I think, sorry, Sarah, on the same instance, like, I think there is there is that side of it for like the high achieving sort of athlete population. But then on the other hand, I see so many like trainers working with um, general pop clients and absolutely smashing their bodies with like, basically like really 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 intense workouts and I think that's what I massively respect about you Mahan is that you really understand the human body and Sarah you've spoken this so much about like the stress that people are already coming into the gym with and add into that as well but I always notice like your excellent exercise selection Mahan is I don't know seems to be something that you think about a lot whether that be um with an athlete who you're looking to sort of like stabilize muscles or movement patterns or whether that be with like a general pop person who spends 15 hours a day sat down and just improving their ability to move and function well yeah like there is this uh it's really funny and that's why i love like dealing with athletes and also dealing with gen pop like 
a beginner and an athlete represent similarly in their problems like they like their issues look the same but how they got there is totally different and how you deal with it is totally different a beginner doesn't know how to organize their body because the only forces upon their body is the like forces of gravity and they can't control that so they load into structure and an athlete can re represent the same way like let's say like ran like one basic thing to say is like an anterior anterior pelvic tilt because everyone likes to talk about that now right a beginner who's never done that, like their center of mass is so far forward, the only way they can organize their center of mass or keep their body from falling forward is to arch their, like slightly extend from the lumbar spine and be in an anterior pelvic tilt. Whereas an athlete, like <laughs> I'm going to use Celeste for example, through repetition, they have found which positions they're strong in. And that leads to the compensation. Then like, all right, so now I'm like, for my sport, I need to be fast. I, I like to mm, kind of, use the example of playing an instrument. Like, you know, you learn an instrument, how to play, like, you know, if a guitar holding the chords and stuff like that. And then if you are a little bit impatient or you want to play a song a little bit faster, you create certain compensations to play that piece of uh, music faster. That's an athlete, right? Some athletes are like, all right, I need to be from point A to point B faster. What can I do? And either consciously or subconsciously, they create a compensation. They load more into their hamstrings and adductors, for example. And now the athlete has an anterior pelvic tilt. Now, the like a gen pop or a beginner and the athlete are representing the same issue, but they're like how to deal with it is completely different. With an athlete, we actually have to teach them to use different things. With the gen pop client, we just need to get them stronger because they they're not even strong enough to have a compensation to address. Mm. Right. So like this different, like it, it's very fascinating to me how they can be very similar. But then the approach to each one is very different. Yeah, love it. Absolutely. Um, that was, I, I have to quickly throw in here as well, Mahan, because um, everything you've said today, but especially what you've just been saying just now. Um, can you just let us know and let everyone know listening where they can find you, please, whether that be social media or where, where if you don't mind saying where the, which gym you work at and stuff. I really feel like, especially your last couple of sentences, some people are really going to want to get in contact with you. <laughs> Oh, uh, thank you. Like the plug, <laughs> this is a good way to plug it, right? It's brilliant. Uh, <laughs> so I work in, at the moment, I just work in uh, the gym group Oxford Street. Uh, but I've actually started doing more of like online coaching as well. And they can find me on uh, on Instagram. It's uh, Mahanelmi, M-A-H-A-N-E-L-M-I, and then underscore. So Mahanelmi underscore. And then, uh, yeah, if anyone actually listens to this and likes to talk to me, I love to like... I talk a lot about fit, like training, and like, it's just my like I'm really passionate about it, and, and I'll never shut up. So absolutely, get in touch. Fantastic. And what's your podcast called again? Uh, it's called Majoring in the Minors. Yep. Uh, it's yeah. been on a bit of a hiatus at the moment, but it's coming back as well. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, yeah, for sure. And just in terms of like people thinking about getting in touch or get getting a coach, like again, I've said it over and over again, but <laughs> as someone who is a coach like it is so important that you also have a coach i know mahan you have a coach i know sarah you have a coach um you just learn so much from that experience and just having um someone else sort of support you along the way yeah. um i've i've gained a lot from it and also given that i'm someone anyone who knows me will know that i question everything <laughs> i will not accept an answer unless you have given me a lot of detail and so when I'm saying to my hand, well, why is that in the program? 
<laughs> like there's always like such a detailed thorough explanation as to why and I really think that it's probably the reason that I am able to take part in a CrossFit Cup next <gasps> next weekend with so me so oh, thanks yeah. for that Mahan because we um we weren't sure we were going to do anything together this year Mm-hmm. Um, just due to busyness and 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 all the injuries and stuff like that. So big big thank you to you. Yeah. I get my par- partner in crime with me in two <laughs> weeks' time. <laughs> uh, the goal is to get her to like get back to those competitions and even do more. Like because she she's a great athlete. Like I I've seen her move. She she moves really well. Like pain should never be a deterrent from uh, like doing sports. Like if we can get rid of it as soon as possible and then just like put her back in there and just let her do what she wants to do. So it's going to be great. Yeah, can't wait. And if anyone's like wanting some details and is a bit nervous about maybe contacting Maha initially, you should. But feel free to sort of drop me a line as well, and I can always give you extra details should you require it. Um, but Mahan, thank you so much. Like, I think your your information about like your journey moving from Iran to India to the UK just so inspirational. And I think. You know, if you've having a bit of a challenging time at the minute, I think it's also an opportunity just to put things into perspective. Yeah. Like life is fucking hard sometimes, but yeah. you'll be fine. You'll get through it. You'll you'll find a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and those sort of things, like you say, maybe it is a little bit of fate and it puts you onto your path. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate you opening up and sharing that. And I feel I almost feel like really proud as well. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Yeah, like that. If I can just like sum up everything we talked about, it's just that like no matter how, like one step back, two steps forward, like life is meant to be ups and downs. And just like whenever you hit it down, you know that there's an up afterwards. And just like you just have to get through it. And honestly, I love hitting rock bottom. I know it sounds weird, but like it just teaches you so much because like there's always coming back from that. And you always like, especially people, I always say like, or Okay, this sounds a little bit weird, but I always say people need to get punched in the face. And the reason behind that is because, like, you realize it's not as bad. Like, yes, you could get knocked out as well. There is a chance that sometimes things really go wrong. But most of the time, when you get hit in the face, people are scared of it. But, like, once it happens, you're like, ah, actually, I could take it and I can move forward. I love that line to finish on. (laughs) <laughs> thank you i do thank you. Mahan, thank you so much and from my side it was an absolute pleasure to meet you and i'm thank sure well i'd like to think we, we, we will stay in touch yes so absolutely. yeah i'd love to come down to meet you properly oh yeah you, be must, great. you yeah. must we'll do a session together so yeah perfect final question then before we wrap up last one last yes. one from us um, is uh what do you know now that you wish you were taught at school um that Connecting to people sometimes is more important than pursuing really singular, um, like, uh, singular, what's the word that I'm looking for? Now the Iranian comes out and I can't remember the word that I'm looking for. <laughs> um, pursuit, singular pursuits. Like, uh, I don't want to use pursuit, but, like, sometimes we focus too much on, or we major in the minors, A, hey, sorry (laughs) that that was a good plug (laughs) thank you uh and we just kind of forget that we're all human and we like the most beautiful thing about humanity is that we can connect to other people and just use them or like help each other i've had like really some dark times in my life that i just was really lacking human interactions and then i realized the only person who can create it is me but also then 
you can the moment you take that first step there are so many people out there who can help you and school doesn't teach you that i think school makes you very singular in your pursuits and, and the way you think yeah. at least yeah. for me mm-hmm. okay there is another mission to add to my um portfolio of teaching okay <laughs> <laughs> hey, um i always finish the podcast with like okay wait everybody i need to press stop <laughs> 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 so much don't go anywhere you two um and we'll chat in a second but thank you and speak to you soon bye Thank you so much for listening and for tuning in to the Healthy People's Club podcast. This is episode number 14 and it's also the last episode of this series. We really hope that you've enjoyed listening just as much as we have um, and we will be back after a short break, maybe in September, for more podcasts. Thank you very much and we'll see you very soon. Bye.